It's time to have lunch and talk sports. It's the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 93.1. Happy Thursday and welcome into the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Steve Norris with you today talking sports for the next two hours. we got one guest on the rundown, David Hill of ESPN.com will join us at 1230. We'll talk some college football with him. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, Josh Kendall's got another mock draft out for the Falcons, so we'll tear through that. Plenty of college football talk, baseball, basketball, all the like. What, so are you just the regular Thursday, Friday guy now? Is that how this I works? I guess so. Hey, <laughs> great to be here again. That's great to have you back. Replacing Daniel, who doesn't seem to want to work anymore. <laughs> just kidding. No, he's at a he's he's a, he's got a big fancy wedding to go to this weekend. Yeah, so. he's in Houston. Yeah, Texas. Yep, and he's wearing a he's a, a, a suit. Like I don't remember the last time I wore a suit to a wedding. I don't. Well, let me just back up. I don't remember the last time I wore a suit. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I went to a wedding. Uh, <laughs> if somebody invites me to a wedding, I'm like, "There's a reception, right? I got to have a reason to go to this thing." I'm yeah, like, yeah. The two two of the greatest words in the English language: open bar, right? No. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I don't mean to. Uh, I'm not trying to come down on Catholics, which Daniel is. But if it's a Catholic wedding, man, I I, I have to. <laughs> Think twice about going. They last forever. Uh, my cousin, uh, he had a Catholic wedding back in the late nineties, and I'm not kidding when I tell you that thing was almost two hours long. Really? The wedding? Yes. Yeah. They they really make a presentation out of it. Well, our um, we when I got married, our and this was my wife's idea, not mine. I was all in favor. She said, you know, I I don't want the ceremony to take forever. So we we got our vows in in 14 minutes. Wow, uh, there you have, we same here. Ours about fifteen minutes. Yeah, in out. Let's go eat. Yeah, that's basically what it was. We 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 had the we were in and out, and then we had it catered. We did some took some pictures because we had a like a cabin up in the mountains, like in the middle of nowhere, and she was ready to go. Like we got married at noon, and she was like, "I want to be out of there by two o'clock. I want to get to the mountains." I was <laughs> like, I'm married the right person. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a buddy one time. I asked him. He one of his friends was getting married, and I said, "Are you in the wedding?" He goes, "No, but I'm in the reception." <laughs> so like, that's uh that's the way to go there. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, we'll start the uh, the program talking a little basketball as. Uh, more than likely, the seasons for Georgia Tech and Georgia came to a close yesterday. Uh, I, I guess Georgia may still have an outside chance of getting into one of those postseason tournaments. Uh, we'll start with the Jackets. Uh, a good run to finish the, the year. And the question that everybody's asking now is, was it enough to save Josh Pastner's job? And Josh Pastner, in his postgame press conference yesterday, indicated that he really, really wanted to come back to Georgia Tech. His players seem to feel the same way, but I, you know, and I, I don't know what Tech should do here. I mean, on one hand, they rallied the troops. He got it turned around and maybe there's some momentum going into next season. But on the other hand, it's been seven years, you know? Yeah, I know. And I, I come from the days in the eighties and nineties when Georgia Tech was just such a power. Um, even in the ACC, when Duke and North Carolina were dominating, Tech would still win the ACC tournament now and then, and and uh, would usually make a you know at least a decent run now and then in the tournament. Um, I mean, I like again. I remember the days of Lethal Weapon three, man, mm-hmm. where Tech was just so much fun to watch. Kenny Anderson and um, Brian Oliver and Dennis Scott. Um, and uh, I, boy, it'd be so nice <laughs> have that back again. And I'm a Georgia fan. Mm-hmm. I, I I would like it if Tech got good at basketball again. 
Um, I would like it if Georgia was just reasonably, <laughs> uh, you know, average at basketball. Um, and I don't know if you watched that game last night, but oh, it was painful. Yeah, painful. They were as bad as they were last year. They well, they they got off. They got behind early, and and you know, in the first half to LSU, and that pretty much sunk them. They did. I mean, they rallied. They made a game out of it. Um, yeah. But, but in the end, they just could not. Uh, get all the way back to um, to catch up with LSU. And, and the big story was Akendo did not play hardly at all in the second half. And Mike White said he wanted to, you know, stick with the group that had the energy, and and it worked. I mean, they, they got back in the game, but it just, yeah, but it, it they just didn't wasn't have, quite enough. Yeah, they didn't have it there at the end. Um, and, and, uh, and LSU, I mean, LSU looked bad, too. It was bad LSU, shots. Yeah. And it just – LSU's not a good basketball it team. It was ugly. Yeah. It, it was. It was It was not the uh, the best basketball to watch. But um, So, LSU moves on, Georgia. And, again, maybe an outside chance at postseason play. I mean, I, considering the team won six games last year, you know, I, I think, you know, mission accomplished for year one. You, you, you got a lot of things in place. And now they can turn to – the spring recruiting period and the transfer portal to try to build up this roster and, and try to, you know, I think the next step is to not play on day one in the SEC tournament. You know, you just – because you, you you came from so far down, it's going to be hard to turn it around very quickly, although with the transfer portal that, that may be a little bit different now. But, you know, and then the other thing that Georgia's got right now that, that could be a challenge is Stegman Coliseum's closed. So it's not like you can talk, take recruits around and say, hey, this is where you're going to be playing basketball. Now, Mike White was asked about this last night and said that he doesn't think Stegman Coliseum holds them back. Um, and he said, you know, and he's only been there a year, but he said he hasn't lost a single recruit because of the arena. But, I mean, could that change? I mean, I, if you'd want to see where you're going to play, right? Yeah, you know, see, that's the thing Kirby had coming from Alabama. He came from success. He had he had the template for it, and he was able to look Butts Mayor in the eye. And if, if you don't know what Butts Mayor is, that's basically, you know, the leadership there at Georgia. Looked him in the eye and said, hey, listen, spend some money. We've got to get the facilities better. We have we have got to catch up with the Alabamas of the world, or, or we're never going to win a national championship. He was able to do that. Mike White can't necessarily do that, but I wish he I wish, I wish he would. It's, it's, listen, all this TV money we got coming in, and we're basically printing money after winning two national championships in football. Yeah, foot money has never been a problem at Georgia. They're one of the few schools that actually have been in the black even before all this TV money. Right. Build another coliseum. Show that you care. Right. And and, and the thing too is, you know, this is um, according to the AJC, an article Chip Towers did. This is the third time in four years they've had to close it for a period of time because a chunk of the ceiling fell. Now it's not like giant pieces of concrete are falling. <laughs> They're just like palm-sized yeah. little. But still, I mean, it's it's literally falling apart. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally falling literally. apart. So we'll see if 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 you know how that's addressed moving forward. I mean, he did acknowledge uh, Mike White did acknowledge it is an issue, um, and, and I don't know that he was. Where was it? Let me find this quote here at the end. He he was talking about here it is. We're proud of Stegman. I've only been here a year, not even a year yet. And if we've missed on a recruit, it hasn't been because of Stegman. There's facility upgrades throughout the country in college athletics and all different types of sports and maintenance and all those things, I've got great confidence in our leadership that will figure it out. So uh, there's something to figure out. So obviously there's a problem. 
<laughs> What's to figure out? Uh, <laughs> it's an old place. It's been there since, what, 64? Yeah, I think so. I mean, come on. Even the Braves built another stadium after 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know? I think it's time. Yeah, I think it's time to tear it down and move on. Uh, the Hawks won last night, one twenty-two to one twenty, so they're now thirty-three and thirty-three on the season. A fitting record for that team. Um, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and I think we've got a little. I don't know. Controversy is not the right word, but AJ Griffin did not play again last night because of a coach's decision. That's the second game in a row. Um, he was been one of the highlights of the season. The rookie out of Duke. Um, but on the flip side to that, Jalen Johnson's playing about 20 minutes a game all of a sudden. So I, I think this is just a matter of, of Quinn Schneider really wants to get a good look at Jalen Johnson. And it's good that, that – I mean, it's good that he's playing these younger guys a little bit more. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Capella and Collins are down, you know, under 30 minutes a game now. And the obviously the minutes for Congo, Bay Johnson, and Bogdanovich – well, Bogey's been playing a lot anyway. So, you know, we're starting to see – Quinn Schneider's fingerprints on this team a little bit. And, and, you know, the effort, I think, it's not consistent, but it's better. Yeah, and honestly, I haven't followed the Hawks as closely as I used to. Um, but I do like Quinn Snyder. I mean, I used to be a big Duke fan, so, you know, <laughs> I know you don't like Duke. But no. but what do you th- – but you follow the Hawks pretty close, you and Bill. Um, I mean, how do you feel about this hire? I love it. I absolutely love it. Because I think there's going to be some accountability – now mm-hmm. and that's what he brings to the table but I think also it's kind of a two-way street like he develops in his history in his past Quinn Schneider fosters relationships with his players that they'll take hard coaching it's it's not you know you know what I'm saying it's not like pound 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 it's just you know very frank and honest this is what you're awesome at here's what you need to work on right and, and Trey Young already sounds different in his post-game press conferences there's a lot of we there's a lot of talk about defense and effort, um, and and it sounds like he's maybe taking that next step in his career, which is w- what we had hoped to see. Because therefore, while right before Quinn Snyder was hired, it looked like things were falling apart, and that this thing was about to crumble, and people were starting to start demanding trades and all that jazz. But I I think Quinn Snyder was the right guy at the right time to come right the ship for this team. Yeah, this is the second former Duke player they brought in to uh, try and rebuild the team. <laughs> it's just Danny Ferry read the wrong report. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now Danny Ferry did a tremendous job. Yeah, I, he was great. I, yeah. I hated losing him. That was back when I used to pay a lot more attention to it. I, yeah. Um, well, hopefully, you know, they, they can get things turned around and, and, and people will be excited. Like when, like when somebody like yourself, when you say, yeah, I just haven't been following that closely, I don't blame you. I mean, they'll drive you nuts. Yeah, I mean, I like Trey Young, and I, I, you know, I know some about the other players, Jalen Johnson, some of the others, but it's just not a thing like the Braves, where when I'm done with dinner, I'm I'm turning on Valley Sports. You know, I'm I'm turning the Braves on. It's just natural. My girls, they can't they can't wait to watch. Um, You know, so uh, but the Hawks, I'm just not there right now. Uh, I, I, I need. I need somebody like Quinn Snyder who who's going to make the team watchable. Again. Yeah, yeah, I, and hopefully next year they they because I, I don't think it's going to take much to turn around. I think this team can be, you know, I don't know if the best team in the East, but they could be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. I, I think the talent's there. So I have a question for you. Sure. I mean, if we're close to break, let me know. But but um, why can't the Atlanta Hawks get that superstar player? I'll tell you why, what, why, why won't somebody like LeBron yeah. or, or you know, uh, um, 
Garnett, not Garnett, uh, uh, Durant. Yeah, you know, Kevin Durant. Why won't they come to Atlanta? We'll take a break and tackle that. That's a that's a really good question. It's a topic that that, that is brought up oftentimes. We'll take a break okay. and uh, come back and we'll answer that question and uh, talk a little baseball as well. That and more as we continue right after this. Eleven sixteen. Russ Brown, Steve Norris, back with you here, midday sports zone. So, Steve, you asked a really good question as we were heading into the break about why, basically, how come Atlanta, and we're talking about the Hawks, can't attract big-time free agents. I, I think that's about to change because what you have to do is get the star in the draft when you're in this situation, and then people will want to come play with the star. And I use the Warriors as the example when they got Kevin Durant. And, and the reason I've always heard – like players like to visit Atlanta, they don't want to live in Atlanta. Yeah, because I saw a thing that said something like five of the top ten NBA players actually live in Atlanta. Really, in wow. the off season, uh, but play for other teams. And again, that, that just baffles me. I mean, what? Who's the last real superstar Atlanta had? Dominique Wilkins. Okay, not Matambo. I'm, oh, talking, I'm, Tombo, I'm yeah. talking about people. I'm talking about yeah. a, a guy that people will specifically go pay to see. Yeah, Dikembe was probably that guy. Whether they win or lose, I'd say uh, Dikembe. Yeah, Dikembe definitely with the finger wag and you know, the vlogs. But but uh, yeah, I I think that's probably the last the last one. Um, I mean Trey Young maybe a little bit, but yeah, uh, I think Trey Young's got that potential. Mm-hmm. He, but he wasn't able to follow up on that. Eastern Conference Finals run from a couple of years ago. And that's I think that has been what's holding them back because they're basically a 500 team since that series against Milwaukee. Right. And just me as now, I'm pretty much a casual fan at this point. You know, I mean, I hope they win, but I'm not going to follow them real close. But if they got somebody like Durant or LeBron or, you know, even Stephen Curry, I would take my kids to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, just specifically. And I think a lot of other people would too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of seems like every year they have a team of 12 guys, kind of no names and, and, you know, two or three good players that get us to the 500 mark we're at now. Yeah. Uh, The Hawks (laughs) have like consistently been stuck in that 35 to 40 win territory for a long time. They're like the Falcons. They're good. Like every five or six years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully I, I just, I think Quinn Schneider's the one that can, can straighten this thing out and hopefully have them be a little bit more, uh, entertaining more relevant that's the thing it's it's for two years in a row they've been it's been a disappointment because you come off like this this high of the college football season um and and with georgia playing all the way into mid-january and then you get to that point in mid-january like it's you've got this stretch but of you'll have the combine and you'll have the draft you know but you're waiting on baseball season to start right and it's like and that's there that's it's like all right your turn hawks you're in the spotlight and it's like meh you know, just they're just meh. So, yep. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully Quinn Schneider can get that turned around. Um, college baseball now. Georgia beat Georgia Southern last night, nine to four. So the dogs take both games this week. Uh, they'll host Charleston Southern this weekend. And, and one of the things Daniel and I talk about a lot with college baseball is how the the in school or in state teams play each other. So we decided to start keeping the standings. Ah, uh, yeah, I heard y'all saying so, something about that the other day. Yep, Georgia moves to four and one. They're still in second place, and I'm using air quotes uh, behind Georgia State, who's one and zero. Georgia Southern now one and three on the season, 
and that is against teams from the state of Georgia. Uh, so next week you've got Georgia State and Mercer on the 14th and Georgia Southern and Kennesaw State also playing each other on the 14th. So that should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Georgia will play Georgia State on the 21st. That's their next in-state contest. And Georgia Tech will play Georgia State on the 28th. Uh, as far as this weekend, Georgia again will host Rutgers and Georgia Southern. I mean, I'm sorry, Georgia hosts Charleston Southern and Georgia Southern will host Rutgers. And last night, um, at J.I. Clements Field, they had uh, a new signage up. Like, you've got the press box, and then there's like a – I don't know what's just above it, but they put uh, Eagles, like uh, lettering, uh, above that. And it looks really cool. At Georgia at, Southern? Yeah, the Georgia Southern State. Oh, J.I. Clements. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's a, have you ever been down there for a baseball game? So, my sister went to Georgia Southern from uh, 95 to 98 or 9. It was somewhere in there. And uh, she dated – a guy that played for Georgia Southern baseball. Oh, okay. And uh, and in fact, I it was funny. Um, we went to see they played Georgia Tech in a doubleheader and beat them. Um, and uh, it, somehow the guy that was there was taking the pictures for the next year's programs. So the next year, the Georgia Southern program, the you see me and my sister sitting down front because uh, I've got my blue Duke hat. <laughs> <laughs> like an idiot, and uh, yeah, so I ended up on the Georgia Southern program. How I think about it was that? 1998, I think, or yeah. seven. I don't know, it was somewhere in there. But but yeah, yeah, nice field, and uh, you know, you can tell that. And that was back then. Yeah, the uh, the the stadium. I mean, it's. I mean, you got chairback seating. It's it's a, it's like a nice minor league park. I mean, it's and it's still kind of newish, newish. I can't remember when it was built exactly, but um, it's it's nice if you ever get it. If you're a baseball fan, you know you, the venue uh, our buddy um ben upton from the um 11.7 podcast loves it he, he loves going to those games down there which is great it's great and it's it, it's just really it opened in uh 2005 february 2005 and then was, had some upgrades done back in 2017 but anyway just a, a nice field and it's so cool that georgia and, and georgia tech too i mean both have already been to statesboro to play a baseball game this year i wish they would do that in basketball i know football is a different animal so i'm just going to leave that out of the conversation for now but i wish the in-state schools would play each other in basketball the way they do in baseball i know there's not as many games but it just feels like they should play each other every year i don't know that georgia will ever play georgia southern again in football during our lifetime oh yeah no um, not as long as kirby smarts there uh, yeah I went to the game in uh, 2000, um, Georgia Southern at Georgia. I, I don't know if you were there or not. Adrian Peterson ran for like 150, yeah. 160 yards. I mean, he proved he, you know, proved oh, yeah. himself. I um, remember that game. And a pop-up storm came over uh, during halftime and just <laughs> trenched everybody. Um, and it was one of those days where it was like 98 degrees. And so, yeah, right after that rain, man, I mean, it was a sauna. Mm. Um, but, uh, and then they played again in 08, right? Georgia Southern. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I don't think they've played since then, have they? Yeah. Oh, was, no, no, no. They played in like 2015. Yeah. But there was a, there was a, I can't remember. I think it was tw maybe 12 or 13 because Aaron Murray. Yeah. They played against Aaron Murray. I remember I was at that one. And then, of course, 2015 when Georgia won in overtime. Yeah. Southern should have won that game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that was one of my things about, look, I love Mark Rick, and I love him as a man and all that, right? But that 2015 season was painful. And, you know, the Rick, the Rictophiles, you know, they all said, well, he won 10 games. Well, actually, no, he won nine. 
because they got fired before the yeah. bowl game. It was McClendon that coached that team. But, yeah. but either way, you know, they're like, hey, he almost, you know, 10 that games was, and all this. I'm like, did you watch the games? That was that offense was it, it was I think he was using the Tecmo Bowl playbook. Oh, it was, it was awful. <laughs> it was they pretty Missouri bad. nine to six at home and then almost lost <laughs> oh, to Georgia Southern I at home. That. Oh, my, fa- my my all time favorite memory with Georgia Southern, though, and I always I always have to bring this up. It was great. It, it's just a great memory. So, the first of all, when Dominic Swope, and this was the 2011 Bama defense, right? Yeah. So, Dominic Swope had an 82-yard touchdown run, and the place was just – Was that could, 11 or 12? It was 11. You it was could 11. Hear, yeah, you okay. could hear a pin drop. And then, so the game was closer than they wanted. It was uncomfortable for Bama. And uh, and this is back, you know, in the SCS days before um, Georgia Southern moved up to the Sun Belt. Yeah, wasn't it like 49-28 or something like that? Yeah, or? something like that. Yeah. Um, and I just remember, like, we had packed up all our equipment and we had uh, everything loaded up and we were rolling our, our, our gear out of there. And one of the guys on the crew, I'm not naming names, said, hey, boys, y'all might want to turn around and take one more look. I don't think we're being invited back. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh, yep. good memories, good memories. All right, we're going to take a break as we do. We'll open up the phone lines, 478-646-ESPN. Anywhere you want to go in the world of sports on this Thursday is fine with us. Uh, We've got some NFL talk coming up, a little college football talk as well. David Hell will join us in about an hour. That and more as we continue on the Midday Sports Zone right after this. 11.30, Russ and Steve back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. Phone lines open, 478-646-ESPN. Whatever may be on your mind in the world of sports, let's start with Steven in Hawkinsville. Hey, Steven, how you doing? Hey, Russ. Uh, I just wanted to mention the Braves real quick and then get to the weekend. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed with Pilar, Jimenez, and uh, what's his name, Sam Hilliard, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope they actually take Ozuna's spot, even I mean just to just to move him out of the way. But uh, uh, back to this weekend, uh, I'm not going to watch the Hawks because I want to actually watch something good. And <laughs> you haven't you haven't mentioned it yet, but it's WrestleMania weekend. So, oh, yeah. no, and the boy, you're getting ready for that. No, WrestleMania is in April. Are you sure? Yeah, 100%. What's this weekend? Um, Isn't every weekend WrestleMania weekend? <laughs> no, well, every AEW weekend. had Revolution last Sunday. Is that what you're thinking about? That was good. No, there was another one that's coming up. It might be WrestleMania. I'll, I'll just double-check the date on that. But, yeah, I think that's in April. All right, hey, Steve, appreciate the uh, the, the phone call. Hey, speaking of all this, I sent you a meme a couple of days ago. It was a uh, best supporting actor. It was <laughs> something to do with um, yeah. Raw is Triple X or something. I, I figured you would get the joke. Can you explain it to me? Uh, it, well, it, in or long, maybe off the air. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you don't want to go into it. Well, no, know. it was a picture of, of like, because the Oscars are coming up. And um, so the, not only are the Oscars coming up, WrestleMania is in Los Angeles this year. Oh. So the theme is WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Oh. So there was a picture of uh, Jimmy Uso, and he's part of the bloodline that's in the Roman Reigns faction. So that it, that was funny. It was it was funny. Of course, that all makes sense now. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. I'm glad you called in and yeah. uh, we're able to clear it. And, up I, and you know, and he was mentioning some of the Braves that have impressed, and we got we got to mention Dylan Dodd. I know he didn't. Performed particularly well against the uh, Dominican team yesterday, but I mean they're chock full of all stars. So oh yeah, uh, but he's he's had a really good spring too on the mound. So I'll be curious to see where he starts the year. Maybe in, I mean, I look, I, I don't know how they view him. He's 24, 25 years old, so maybe he'll be in that Gwinnett rotation too. That Gwinnett rotation would <laughs> be pretty good. <laughs> we'll have to 
keep an eye on the stripers this year too. Can't have too much pitching. Never, never enough pitching. And Azuna, is he going to be DH or is he going to play in left field? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I think there's. I, I, he's getting a lot of at bats. I'm, I'm going to pull that up here in just a little bit and see what how many at bats he has compared to everybody else. It, it feels like nobody said anything, but it feels like they're trying to make a decision on his future with the Braves, like right now. Like, are you going to be able to produce this year? Because really, with his with his uh, deficiencies in the field, if that guy's not hitting. Uh, yeah, you, he's you not get, really bringing anything to the team. Yeah, you've got two zeros there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And by the way, the uh, uh, WrestleMania is April first and second. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. So it's uh, they're doing the they've they started doing like with the COVID year, they decided to do two nights, and it's been two nights ever since. Which I I really like that. It's it's a, it's a lot of fun. They put on a good show. Cool. You should check it out, Steve. All right, I will. <laughs> Note to self. Yeah. <laughs> four seven eight six four six ESPN. Let's go to Brian and Warner Robbins. What's up, man? Hey guys, thanks for taking my call, Steve. Welcome back. I uh, enjoy your and appreciate your contributions to the program. Hey Brian, so, thanks, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yes, I'll sir. pass that on to Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll sell him. Yeah, um, right. But. Uh, my question is, of course, about the NFL draft. Um, the quarterback situation, you know, I've, I've always said I want them to take quarterback late in the draft, uh, either Max Dugan or uh, or um, Stetson Bennett. And I'm not stealing Bill's line, not like looking at the draft through red and black glasses. But, um, but I think I'd take one of those two. But um, is there another quarterback uh, – in that range that you take, maybe like uh, Malik Cunningham or uh, J.K. Uh, Hayner or somebody like that. And the um, second part of the question is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which I usually I am, uh, do the Falcons need a punter, and do you take a punter uh, late in the rounds like a Michael Turk out of Oklahoma? Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Brian, appreciate the phone yeah, call. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I don't know the Falcons. I don't think they need a punter. Um, I think they're in pretty good shape there. Your punters are like running backs. You can, you can go find one. Yeah, and now there's not. Um, I don't. I don't. You know, it's, there's some years there's there. I mean, punters get drafted. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's I, good I, ones out there that deserve to be drafted. But I, yeah, I don't know that there's anybody like that out there. And I think Bradley Pinion kind of uh, locked down the. The job last year. As far as the quarterbacks are concerned, it's funny you should bring that up, and we'll dive deeper into this later on in the show. But Josh Kendall from the Athletic put out his second mock draft, and he's got. And I love this pick, by the way. He's got the Falcons taking Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue in the fifth round. And I think if you're going to draft a quarterback this year, that's where you do it. And O'Connell would be a good addition. Oh, fifth round. Oh, okay. Yeah, fifth round. I don't know a whole lot about him, or at least I don't remember a whole lot of it. But I know Purdue had a pretty decent team this year as far as for them. They played for the Big Ten title, if I remember right. Lost Ohio – no, lost to Michigan. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they, 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 had a, they had a real good offense. I remember that. Yeah, and I, I have a buddy of mine that – and I think this is maybe a little, uh, little extra, but, you know, with – the, and, and we can kind of turn this into the conversation about quarterbacks because it sounds like Aaron Rodgers and the Jets may happen. Um, but with Lamar Jackson and the asking price and what Daniel Jones just got, you know, those teams are going to be really hamstrung in what they can do in terms of spending at other positions because of the cap. And he said, you know, if he was a GM, he'd just keep drafting quarterbacks in the middle rounds till he hit on somebody. <laughs> I'm not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm like, you know. 
That's I mean because you can you can build the team up, you know, and I think the 49ers are the perfect example. Look at what they were able to accomplish this year even with all of the injuries to the quarterback position. And look, I I, look, I don't think if Brock Purdy doesn't get injured in the NFC Championship game, I don't think it changes much because Philly was already kind of starting to dominate that game early before Purdy got hurt. But still, they made it all the way to the NFC Championship game with a rookie pick that was a rookie quarterback that was the last man picked in the draft. Yep. It can be done. But you got I mean what you have to have is a really good scouting department on two levels. Number 1, you you can recognize that talent that everybody else is missing, but number 2 being patient and knowing when to pounce and not taking them in the 5th round because you feel like you can wait to the 7th round. There's kind of a nuance to it. Yeah, it's 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 a chess match. Um, so are you saying the Falcons are thinking of taking them in the fifth round? No, no, no. That's just who Josh Kendall, who covers the Falcons, had mocked. Um, had mocked in his. Uh, oh, in his oh, draft. okay, I get it. But it was the Falcons we were talking about. Yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Sorry, I was thinking about something else. I kind of got lost for a second. Um, yeah, I, I I think that uh, Aiden O'Connell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would take a flyer on it. Yeah, but I mean, just that's where, that's where you make that pick. I think with the quarterbacks, um, and I don't think I have yet to run across a single person that will admit to being a Falcons fan that says I want Anthony Richardson or I want C.J. Stroud or I want Bryce Young or I want Will Levis. I, I don't. I think the fan base is universally opposed to that idea. Oh man. <laughs> Which means it might happen, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> so get ready. No, like so. There's the, there's the analytical fan side of me that looks at the draft and looks at the needs and tries to match up best player available to a position of need. And you come up with you know Peter Skronsky and all these other names. But then there's the the fan that's been a fan that's rooted for this team my entire life that just knows they're going to take Bajon Robinson with the eighth pick, the running back out of Texas. Either that or, or, or trade up and get Anthony Richardson. Oh my gosh. I, I'm waiting for that. We have a trade. Like, oh no. Well, you know, no, no. We, we, <laughs> you know. we started down the road a little bit yesterday afternoon, but every year before the draft, Bill and I will take, well, it's one of the most depressing shows we do. I don't know why we do it, <laughs> but we just go over the Falcons draft history. <laughs> Oh jeez, <laughs> it's 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 you know it's it's. You been... have a priest there as well, and yeah, uh, some pallbearers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, we we bring in a couple extra boxes of tissues, and right? Make sure we got the beer all nice for after the show. Yeah, it's it's it's. Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> there you go. All right, we got to take a break. We got one on hold. Ken, hang in there with us. We'll get to you right out of the break. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Wherever you want to go in the world of sports, and we're back with more right after this. Eleven forty-three. Is it a foreigner tribute today? Is, that's the I, I, I guess so. It, it, turning into that. Nice. Phone lines are open. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Let's go to Ken incoming. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, bud. Um, hey, man. Steve, good to hear your voice again. You can send in for Daniel. In my opinion, any day of the week. So oh, thanks, pal. It checks in the mail. Know, he says that I to know. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I suck up pretty well. Yeah, Russ is right. Um, well, first off, 31 days till Augusta. How about that? That's nice. Cannot wait. Um, so, Steve, you are absolutely correct. Um, my wife and I had a full mass wedding, being Catholic, 
and my redneck fraternity brothers were ready to kill me after that was over. An hour, <laughs> yes. 48 minutes. I was told an hour and 48 minutes, I bet you, if not once, a thousand times. And it was a great reception. I mean, oh, yeah. I said, open bar, right? Because, you know, we Catholics, Irish, whatever, we can drink pretty well. They like that aspect of it, but they're like, man, do not ever. <laughs> It was bad. An hour and 48 minutes. Anyhow. Yeah. Just, yeah see, I, I appreciate you backing me up on that. Because, I mean, I had never been to anything like that. I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, we were like two, me yeah. and my buddy were like two skeletons in the in the back. When is this going to end? It's a thing. Um, guys, Stegman, listen. Steve, you were absolutely right about Kirby. Between the recruiting pavilion, the building, the coach's building, the weight room, Conservatively, 150 million bucks for those three structures. We need a new basketball stadium, whatever you call it, coliseum. I don't, I don't know. That needs to happen. Yeah, and especially think, with all the money know, coming in. Absolutely. I mean, they're building buildings over there now. I went back to Athens two years ago. I don't even recognize the campus. It's changed so much. They've got money, and Dan White. You know what? He's been a good soldier. Guys, they need a new basketball facility, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do. They absolutely do. They're they're doing the renovations to baseball field. What is that, $7 million? Come on. Go build a new stadium. Show the, the recruits the, the plans, and, and you'll be okay. I think you've got the coach, but you've got you, you got It's got to get better. Yeah. It really does. So, anyhow, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. All right, All right Ken. Appreciate it, Ken. I, I remember going back years ago, over, over a decade, um, there was a, a study of expanding a stadium, and I, I was able to see uh, just kind of a study of of what other schools had done. You know, they were just doing a little research to try to figure out which direction to go. And and this has changed since, but in in terms of revenue coming in and revenue going out, it was it was a group of SEC schools, and Georgia was near the top of revenue coming in. And near the bottom of revenue going out, which uh, for me, for me personally, I, I'm okay with that because that's how I try to live my life. <laughs> you know, well, right? I, I, I like I like not a lot going out and more coming in. I get that, but when there's chunks of concrete falling out of the ceiling, <laughs> you know, we can talk about revenue producers and interest, and you know, trying to take care of everybody. And you got to get if you want to keep up in football, you got to do this. You got I understand all that. But to me, that conversation changes when concrete is falling out of the ceiling. Uh, yeah, we're not asking Georgia to turn in their brand new Lexus for a Ferrari. <laughs> we're asking you to turn in your '64 Dodge Dart <laughs> for literally anything modern. Yeah, and 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 and, and look, I think when they they've renovated and renovated and renovated, uh, when you see Stegman Coliseum from the outside, it looks nice. It's nice on the inside. I mean, they've done a good job, but I think it gets to a point where you've kicked this can down the road as far as it's going to go, and it's time to tear down and start I don't over. care how much lipstick you put on a pig. It's still a pig. Yeah. yeah. I, I still go back to Ferris Bueller's dad. <laughs> We've got the money. we got the money. It's got to spend it, you bonehead. I, yep. Just go and look at how much money the SEC is going to have coming in on football TV in the next few years. Right, it's unbelievable, and that's it's every SEC school. Well, and eventually, I mean, how many uh, how many facilities can you build? I mean, how many upgrades can you make to the point? I mean, you know, right? Like it, this it, is the one. <laughs> oh, well, baseball, but uh, you know, basketball is bigger than baseball. Right. It is. Yeah. So, um, 
Well, yeah, but I think I think something will get done now because it's got to be embarrassing. I mean, you're having to cancel gymnastic meets and move them to Gwinnett. You know, all the the, the graduation ceremonies are going to be moved to the football stadium now, and there's always the threat of rain. And I'm sure the the, the coaches aren't too fired up about having all those people on the field. No, it's, it's a black eye, it's and a, everybody knows Georgia has money. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not a turf field, so there's that part of it too. It's just uh, it the whole thing's just kind of a kind of a mess. Um, should we have one of those behind the scenes conversations on the air? Uh, <laughs> it's your show, Russ. I, I, you're driving this, mother. You <laughs> I mean, I, I just should we take the call? We can always get out of Chris it. Chris says no. We can always get out of it. We we could always get out of it. Alex, Alex, should we take the call? He's he's shrugging his shoulders. What do you say? Your show, bud. I'm living dangerously today. Let's go. George and Jeffersonville. What's up, man? Hey, what's on your mind? Russ, how you doing? Good, man. Uh, I just want to say to Ken and Cummins. Uh-oh. He called and said he waited an hour and 22 minutes on the phone. I've been trying to call since uh, Daniel's been going, went to Nashville to the turnip truck, you reckon that's where he's at now, trying to get some more of that medicine? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, George. Yeah, I guess he needs that's, it. That's yeah. probably where he's at right now. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Hee Haw, everyone. Uh, here in a few minutes, we're gonna have Roy so- Orbison play a solo, and oh, uh, uh, just living dangerously some days. I'm sorry. Um, just having having some fun. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't really know where to go after that. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. We'd love to hear from you anywhere in the world of sports. Not Daniel's location. You would like to go? Where? Where are you two? I mean, didn't we talk about him being in Houston at a wedding <laughs> when the show started? I believe we did. Okay. Uh, he's over tour in Houston, Texas, and um, <laughs> he's getting ready to go to a big wedding and put on a nice shiny suit. From Tate and, uh, on Twitter, he said, "Do it, do it," and then he said, "Mistakes were made." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I he just you know, I, on the off chance, you know that that you know the 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 array of sunshine comes down and something enlightening comes from the darkness, you know. Just that, every it, now and then, you got to buy a lottery ticket. I'm an eternal optimist, you know. Every now and then. Yeah, but uh, no, no, that that did that that went about the way I thought it would. So, well, we tried. <laughs> At least nothing vulgar was said. Well, hopefully, Daniel bring back some turnips. So. <laughs> I've forgotten all about his trip to the. I mean, so if you don't didn't hear the story, Daniel was in Nashville for a, a conference, and he got sick, which and and needed some medicine. I can't remember what the problem was. Was it sinuses or yeah? And so he the safe gas. So you know, instead of going to his car and driving two miles to a Walgreens to get medication, he went to an herbal store because it was in within walking yeah, distance. Yeah, I remember this story. <laughs> Like Walgreens was two miles away. <laughs> you have a phone. You have technology. Oh, you were a sports editor of a newspaper. Come on, man. You can figure this stuff out. Be resourceful. <laughs> right. You're smart. You're smart. Uh, from Brandon on Twitter. I'm falling out of my chair. Thank you. I needed a good laugh. Uh, from the secret text line. What did I do? You didn't do anything. I don't know why. I don't know why he's throwing you under the bus, Ken. I, you didn't do anything. <laughs> I still haven't been able to figure that part out. Just be mad at anybody. Be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
when he brought up Kenny coming, I was like, oh, yeah, man, that, this could get going? ugly. This could get, you know, there, there's there's you, there's some there's some heat with our audience sometimes you know eddie and ken there's a lot of friction there it just means they care uh, you know you know um somebody was calling was it uh, somebody was calling out j-rad the other day um and it just it gets a little gets a little heated sometimes with our guys I, I, I think maybe someday we need to do our own pay-per-view yeah do our own jersey shore thing here i guess i, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> we are the Kardashians of Middle Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a lot less money and a lot uglier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good point. Oh, gosh. Ew. Oh, my goodness. Four seven eight six four six espn wherever you want to go in the world of sports. Coming up uh, in the next segment, this isn't – we haven't really talked about this yet. Uh, there's just been a lot of stuff going on, and there's nothing official. But last Friday – uh, Ross Dellinger with Sports Illustrated had the, a list, not the list, maybe the list, but at, at the very list, a list of the permanent opponents for SEC schools. And Nick Saban's had some things to say about it. Um, and, and again, nothing official has been said yet from the SEC, but I thought it was something maybe uh, we could dive into and talk about a little bit because it, it, it was really interesting to hear what, in particular, Nick Saban had to say. He ain't happy. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, also, Josh Kendall's mock draft 2.0 is out, so we'll go through that. He's got all seven rounds mocked for the Atlanta Falcons. Some really interesting picks and some, some you know, if it falls that way, I think we're going to come in here the Monday after the draft as, as very, very, very happy campers. So we'll get into that as well. David yeah, looking Hill, forward to that. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's pretty good. David Hill of uh, ESPN.com is going to join us as well. I'll tell you what, let's sleep – no, Chris is telling me no. No, we're about to go to break. Okay, Chris is saying no. Uh, so anyway, we can uh, we can uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that coming up in hour number two. We also Jim and Kathleen's on hold. Jim, please hold through the break. We're up against it. Uh, a hard break here. Want to hear what you have to say about the? Uh, he wants to talk a little basketball. As of course, Georgia and Georgia Tech are out of it. And uh, boy, I tell you, I was watching um, some of the SEC tournament yesterday. It's amazing to me how deep that league has gotten in basketball. Yeah, that is. The, that's why I knew George, there was no chance Georgia yeah. would make a run to the tournament. That is a, it's not going to beat Alabama. Yeah, that's a good basketball conference now for sure. All right, we'll take a break for the top of the hour again. Four seven eight six four six ESPN is the number. We'd love to hear from you. Back with more right after this. It's time to have lunch and talk sports. It's the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 93.1. Hour number two of the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Steve Norris with you here. We got David Hill on the way at 1230 talking a little college football. Uh, interesting conversation there during the break. I don't think we need to bring that to the air. <laughs> it's been interesting conversations for the last hour, Russ. Yeah, well, you know, George it can take us down a road sometimes and you know, we just <laughs> a dirt road. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so talking college football here, and, and again, this is this is going back a few days. It's just we haven't really had a chance to get back around to it. 
Um, there's nothing really official uh, yet. But on Friday afternoon, the, uh, Ross Dellinger of the uh, Sports Illustrated had the, uh, I guess, possible permanent opponents for the SEC schools. For example, with Georgia, it would be Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. You know, I was a little bit surprised South Carolina is not on that list. Um, I, not that, you know, in Georgia's eyes, I don't think, and you being a fan, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. In Georgia's eyes, I don't think maybe Georgia views South Carolina as a huge rival, but from the South Carolina standpoint, it seems like they would say their Georgia would be their biggest SEC rival. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're a huge rival for South Carolina. Um, I, I'm not saying South Carolina's not a rival. They're just not in the top it's, three. It's kind of down sure. on the list, yeah. Um, yeah, I have top ten. Okay, you know, we can go there. Maybe top five just because they're next door and – and they've ruined a couple of SEC championship seasons for us that could have, I mean, what could have been SEC, 07 and 14. Um, but, and of course, Spurrier being there, that that charged up the rivalry some. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I mean, you go and look at the the rivalry over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, Georgia dominates it. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, they really do. Um, well, Nick Saban was upset, and that's kind of what spurred the leak because he, you know, he came out and, and was complaining about it. I, and again, I don't know – if it's official and they're just waiting to announce it or, you know, is it one of those things where he said this, we better put a list out there and just say it's not official. I, I again, I don't know if this is going to be the, the end all be all or not, but Alabama got Auburn, Tennessee and LSU. And I, I don't see what the, the big deal is. I, I mean, Nick Saban, the way he talked about Tennessee was that as if Tennessee had been in the top 10 for the past decade, Tennessee was not, hasn't been that good of a program until last year. And, you know, in recent memory, the same thing with Auburn. Like, what is it? You look at Auburn. Auburn's got Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt. Right. And I, I, I mean, think that's fair. I mean, I mean, you're playing basically the two best teams from the last two, three years. And now, you know, who are they supposed to get? You know, so, yeah, I don't mind them getting Vanderbilt. You know, yeah. Vanderbilt's actually beaten Auburn a couple of times in the last – 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like a complete whitewash. Um, but, you know, my thing with Saban on all that is, dude, what did you want? Who, who were the three teams you wanted? You know what I mean? Yeah, but the, like... You the, were already playing these three anyway. But, like, here's the last decade of Tennessee football. Five and seven, seven and six, nine and four, nine and four, four and eight, five and seven, eight and five, three and seven, seven and six, 11 and two. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, you, you know, it, you're not going to base it off of, of, of just one season um look it's one of those situations kind of like thanksgiving or christmas you know where you're inviting a bunch of family members and you're trying to decide on the day hey what day can everybody make it and then of course everybody has a different day well i can be there thursday but i can't be there friday yeah well i can be there saturday but i can't be there thursday no no no. you're not going to make everybody happy right that's how it's going to go with this right you know so listen you you do the best you can put it out there they're, they're going to complain right. you're going to get complaints that's it uh, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy you're 100 percent right looking at auburn's last 10 years 12 and two, eight and five, seven and six, eight and five, ten and four, eight and five, nine and four, six and five, six and seven, five and seven. Um, yep. Again, there's some good years in there, and but it's not the end all be all. The last ten years for LSU: ten and three, eight and five, nine and three, eight and four, nine and four, ten and three, fifteen and zero, oh, five and five, six and seven, ten and four. And LSU and Alabama are kind of a de facto rivalry anyway, right? Right. Oh, big, you, the, big the SEC's not going to toss that game aside. 
But it just – and then there's another article Ross did earlier this week with Saban talking about some of the rules changes in NIL. And I think he makes some, some fair points. Nick Saban does in the article if you want to go read it. But it just seems to me every time there's, there's a little bit of a slip in that program, it's, it's just like they go into a season of just complaining and excuse-making. And I don't understand the concept – like, you don't hear Kirby Smart complaining about the schedule. You don't hear Brian Kelly complaining about the schedule. Like, why is it in college football, not all, but some coaches want to do everything they can to avoid playing tough games? I don't get it. I mean, you're going to – to win a championship in a 12-game playoff format, you're going to have to play three tough opponent, tough opponents in a row. So why wouldn't you do it in the regular season to be prepared for it? I mean, I know Alabama, they'll play a big opener – but then they play like East-West Tech State. And then, right. and then they'll have a stretch of two games that are really tough, but then they throw in that, you know, the game against the Citadel before they play Auburn. Yeah, Mercer shows up. A Mercer, right. Yeah, yeah. I Nothing mean, against Mercer. Love you, Mercer, but, you know. it's Well, it, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I, I just, I've never understood, and it's not all. It, it, you know, one of the things Kirby Smart did when he got to UGA was try to have a big game every year. It was supposed to be Oklahoma this year. Right. Um, and I will give Saban credit for this. In the past, he has been in favor of the nine-game schedule. So I, I, yep. he, he gets credit for that. Definitely has. But it just, you know, it gets to a point sometimes where, you remember this, the summer after they got blown out in the championship game by Clemson, he shows up at SEC Media Days and it's just excuse after excuse after excuse. And they're like, this does not sound like the Alabama program that, yeah, that was has summer, been dominating. Summer of 17. Yeah. If I remember right. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're not going to make, you're never going to make Saban happy. I mean, you if you would have given him Vanderbilt, Missouri, and and uh, you know Florida or something, he still would have complained about getting Florida. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it, we got to do what we got to do. And and as a Georgia fan, I mean, I can tell you for the last 10, 20 years, one of the biggest complaints has been the home schedule. We've had some real lame home games. Yeah. You know, it's like one. Uh, I mean, years where there's it's Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, Kentucky um, and Missouri, you know, and then maybe Tennessee. And and then you've got two, you know, cupcake home games. That's not a, that's not a great home slate. Or maybe we're just spoiled. But at least with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, that's going to help. You know, at least we know we're going to have at least one, one more big game, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. every year. Um, so well, and hopefully they do go to the nine game schedule. That that needs to happen um, to because uh, I it just it just makes the scheduling portion of this so much easier. Yep. And you know, and 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 it's gonna be. And the other thing too is, you know, when when you do, like for example with Georgia not having South Carolina in their pod. And again, this is not the list, but a list that could be the list. If it, if it plays that way, you're okay. You're, so you're not going to play South Carolina every year anymore, but you'll see them every other year, and you'll also see Texas A and M every other year, and it's going to feel like a conference again, like for all of these leagues that are doing this and getting away, getting rid of the divisions. Because really, for the last probably ten years, you hear people say, you know, talk about the SEC as a whole. Well, that it's not. If you play eight games and there's sixteen teams in your conference, you're not playing your league. No. You're playing half your league. Right. It just depends on which half are you playing. And and some years you're going to have a brutal schedule and it's going to beat you up, but there's going to be other years where, you know, it's it, there's a lot of a lot of Kentucky, a lot of South Carolina, a lot of a lot of Vanderbilt on the schedule. Right. 
So right. it's going to balance out. Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M has been in the league since 2012. Georgia still hasn't played there yet. That's crazy. Now it's scheduled for next year, 24 and 24, not 23, mm-hmm. 24. <laughs> so it's just kind of ridiculous that that uh, you know Georgia hasn't had a chance to play there. It's one of the, I mean, you know, that's a great stadium. Mm-hmm. And a great fan base, the whole twelfth man thing. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I like to go to. I've got some buddies that you know I like to go to away games with. Like we went to the Mississippi State game this year, which I was really glad I went to that one because of Mike Leach. I mean, I got to watch him coach oh, yeah. one last time. You know. Yeah, today but, would have been his sixty second birthday. Yeah, but now uh, when the, man when they play at A and M or Oklahoma or Texas, I mean, we're gonna be there. Yeah, it's, it's just gonna it's be just better. so much fun. It, it, and and I think you know uh, while there's going to be a, when when the official list does come out, the, like you said, you you can't make every ha- everybody happy. There's going to be a lot of him and hauling, but at, at, the, at the end of the day, you're going to play all of these teams more often, and that's what needs to happen. And and this is ultimately a good thing for college football. I love the fact that these conferences are going away from divisional play, and they're going to take the two highest ranked teams to play in their championship game. You know why? Because we get better football. That's why. Absolutely. I'm tired of watching Ohio State beat up Iowa or uh-huh. Nebraska in the Big Ten title game. Lame. I don't care if they just played Michigan last week. Play them again. Play them again. <laughs> Who's going to complain? And and uh, with the 12-team playoff, it, it's not going to matter for SEC teams who are playing a brutal schedule. If you can get out of there with two or three losses, you got a chance to get into the 12-team playoff at right. that point. You know, It just kind of depends on how your losses went. Uh, you know, if all of them were on the road and maybe by you know a three points or a touchdown, I mean that that's a that's a pretty good resume. Yeah. Um, well, and, that, that, and I think too that's something that I hope with the committee. It, it's a lot like basketball. Like if I've got a nine and three team that played nine conference games, um, two Power Five teams out of conference, that that's going to be weighted higher. Which Georgia than a, does every year, which is going to be weighted higher than a team that is ten and two. Played eight conference games, played one Power Five opponent and three Group of Five or FCS opponents. Yeah, you know, I, I, I hope I hope that gets weighed where the committee's going to put the nine nine and three team in ahead of the ten and two team because I think that's what's kind of getting lost. Sometimes you'll have years where, like I remember there was one year with a playoff debate. USC had played thirteen games because they played in the Pac twelve title game. They played twelve Power Five opponents that year. And but their schedule is ranked like thirty fifth, and it's like, well, wait a minute, they don't. There's no break in there. That's I mean, the formula is kind of a little off, you know. It's not. They may have not played twelve teams as tough as this group over here that played eight, but they still played four more P five teams than that team did. I mean, that's got to factor in somewhere. But anyway, I, I hope the <laughs> we're already getting started on that. I, I've got a lot of high hopes. Team playoff. I've got a lot of high hopes for this twelve team playoff because because uh, like uh, I say this about last year's team. You know, last year's uh, season, Alabama and Tennessee get in. Uh, Tulane gets in. Uh, you know, it, it's just, there's room for everybody. The, the Cinderella, the 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 really talented team that took two tough losses that could still win it all. I mean, all, there's there's room for all of those teams now to be in a 12 team playoff. And the fifth through eighth seed get a home game. Yeah, I mean, and the top four get a week off to heal. Yep, uh, which is really important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, what's wrong with more college football? I think Daniel says that all the time. What's yeah. wrong with more college football? Right. It, you know, especially when it means something. Yeah, and that's it. It's gonna and, and the conference championship games are gonna matter because it's for the top four seeds. 
Yeah, it's, and you know, I hear some arguments that you know about, oh, it's going to ruin the regular season. Not in college football. No, it's not. First off, the rivalries alone will keep it up. Uh, well, it's going to make it more relevant. But, well, yeah, and you're still going to have to win your game. You know, like I said, you can afford two or three losses, but it better be good losses. It better not be blown out right. 49 to 7 well, at home or something. Well, how many times do you get to the last week of the regular season? And, and as far as playoff implications, there's like three games. That that have playoff implications, right? So and then okay, well, you know, what about the other sixty games on the schedule? You know, <laughs> de facto bowl games, I guess. Uh, yeah, right. So it's it, it's going to be fun. We'll get, we got to take a break. Uh, we'll come back, dive into Josh Kendall's mock draft, that and more as we continue on the midday sports zone right after this. <laughs> Russ and Steve back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. Phone lines open at 478-646-ESPN. We had referenced this a little bit earlier. Was that Genesis, by the way? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. Check with the music man there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, I can't tell the difference between Genesis and uh, Phil Collins. Like, I know that Phil Collins was in Genesis. But that it's was Peter Gabriel singing that one, right? That Genesis song you were just playing? Is that... Well, Peter Gabriel was first, yeah. and he went solo, and then they they made a huge search for a uh, lead, new lead singer and then went with their drummer. I, I always forget Phil Collins is a good drummer, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, no, once again. It's, we're Tangent City, man. You're good. I stripped I stripped the, the ball from you and <laughs> took it the other way. <laughs> You're good. All right. So uh, Josh Kendall released his mock draft 2.0. Uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, we'll just kind of go through the picks here. Uh, number one, Peter Skronsky out of Northwestern. I think a lot of people would be happy with that pick. We've talked a lot about him being the most pro-ready offensive lineman and the versatility of being able to play all five positions, which gives you options, um, especially if you know you're going to need a new left guard. Uh, if they don't bring Caleb McGarry back, who they didn't apply the tag to, then you're going to have a need at guard and tackle. You draft this guy, he could be your tackle, he could be one of your guards, he could play center and kick Drew Dahlman back out to guard. So I think that could that could really help with that transition on the and offensive And a smart line. guy, too. Yeah, went to Northwestern. Yeah. Yep. Um, round two, he's got the Falcons taking... <sighs> More Wildcats. Adito Miwa, Adebawar. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a defensive lineman out of Northwestern. Now, this is a guy that tore it up at the Combine. Uh, he's got the Falcons taking him with the 44th pick. I, I don't know. He may go before that, but he's 6'2", 282 pounds, ran a 4'4", 40, and has a vertical jump of 37 and a half feet. Um, 37 and a half feet. That's got to be a record. Yeah, and that's a 282-pound person. You mean inches. Did I say feet? <laughs> that's got to be a new yeah. NFL record. He's Superman. <laughs> Inches. Well, we're going to be blocking some field goals yeah. going forward. <laughs> he, can, he can leap over tall buildings. Yeah, he's right. faster than a locomotive. That's right. Uh, but anyway, so, um, you know, he's got the size of a tackle. Uh, he, he did the combine with the edges. Uh, so, and again, a, a, a versatile frame at 6'2", 282 that you could put on the outside. Uh, maybe a little bit shorter than you would like on the outside, but – uh, with that four four nine speed, I mean, obviously, there's a ton of athleticism there. Um, they've got uh, Josh has the Falcons taking Devin a chain, the running back out of Texas A and M in the third round. Uh, I think that's a chain, isn't it? A chain, a chain, the a chain, a chain. Yeah. A -chain. Uh, it, uh, that seems a little early to me 
Um, a good player, you know, but they've got Tyler Algier. They've got Corderell Patterson. I don't know if the third round is where you want to get your um, running back, uh, and especially, you know, he's an undersized player, 5'9", 188. Now, that being said, he ran a 4'3", which that's going to turn some Oh, heads. he's a tough little running back. Yeah. But I just wonder if, you know, in the four, he's got in the fourth round – Jacorian Bennett, the corner out of Maryland, uh, another 4-3 guy uh, in the 40. He had a, four, a vertical jump of 40 feet. No. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if you would be better suited to take your corner in the third round and then maybe look at – you've got two fourth-round picks, maybe get a running back there, but nonetheless. And then um, with the fourth other uh, fourth-round pick, 113, Zach Koontz, the tight end out of Old Dominion. Um, you know, if there's an under-the-radar player in this draft, I think it's him. Six seven two fifty five ran a four five forty. Um, you know he's going to get dinged for whatever reason because he didn't play at a power five school. But I, I don't I don't think that's going to matter. Um, that would be a really good pick there in the fourth round. Then the fifth round pick we talked about this earlier. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback out of Purdue. Uh, they've got the, the seventh round pick. There's two picks in the seventh round. I like one. I don't like the other one. The one pick, Justin Shorter, wide receiver out of Florida. He's a 6'4", 229, and, and Josh points out, you know, the Falcons like size at the receiver position. There's no doubt about that. But they need a burner. They don't, they've got size. They've got Kyle Pitts. They've got Drake London. They need somebody that can stretch the field, and I don't know if Shorter um, is that guy. And then the seventh-round pick I absolutely love, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota. If you've had a chance to watch the Gophers play in the last three or four years, he is just a – I mean, and, and he – Josh calls it here. He's Tyler Argier 2.0. He's just a tough, hard-nosed, straight-ahead, turns three-yard runs into five-yard runs type of a running back, which is great for this system. The only thing I would worry about with Abraham, Ibrahim rather, is there's a lot of mileage. I mean, P.J. Fleck definitely ran his offense through his running back. Right, exactly. Um, and, I mean, are we really taking two running backs in the draft? And do we really need to do that? Yeah, nah, see, and that's where you get into that balance of – Again, I know this is a mock, but – Yeah, best player available versus need. It, you know, it can get a little tricky. I wanted to look this up on Abraham. Five years at Minnesota, he had – He played five years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was their starting running back. And what I mean is he actually got action for five years. Yeah, he was their, their oh, feature man, back from yeah. year one. He, He's – 867 carries in college. Wow. It's a lot of mileage. Jeez. That would be the – that. I mean, if it weren't for that, I think he would go much higher in this draft because he. I'm telling you, man, he is, and Josh pointed out, uh, he is uh, Tyler Irish's 2.0. I hope he's a good blocker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you have to be in the NFL. You, you're, you're. I don't care how good a running back you are. If you can't block, you you can't play. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so. So you know, I think you know. Again, like you said, it's just a mock draft. But I think if you come away. Uh, you know, this is what they take on on Saturday. I think, I mean, on on the draft. I think when we come in on Monday, people would be happy with this pick. I mean, you've addressed offensive line with Skaronski. You've addressed the defensive line with the kid from Northwestern. Um, you know, again, the running back pick with a A chain in the third round maybe a little bit too high, but you get your corner. You know, um, you get more depth that. Obviously, running back and quarterback. So, and and, and Terry Font, no, especially by Saturday, 
you know, a lot of people look at the draft in terms of need, and I think that's more of a first two days. By Saturday, you're just you're just want to take the best player available. So yeah, you might end up with a couple of receivers or a couple of running backs, um, but those guys are easy to move on from. It's not like you're going to be hamstrung for years to come. You know? Right. And one thing I've already yeah, I, seen with this organization, like when they, they they made the mistake of taking Justin Schaefer. I mean, there's no two. There's that that was a mistake, yeah. but. But you didn't have a GM that was smarter than everybody else and, no, we're going to prove it. And he's like, no, nope, I screwed up. We're moving on. And Schaefer wasn't on the roster by the time the season started. Right. And that's to me, that's a good sign. I, I think Terry Fontenot is going to be uh, a, a good GM because he's willing to move on from the mistakes because here's the thing. They're not going to make the perfect pick every time. They're going to make mistakes. It's good. Alex Anthopoulos makes mistakes. It happens. It's how quickly you can move on and recover from it that matters. Well, it's kind of like a third base coach in baseball. If you don't ever get anybody thrown out, you're not doing your job, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of expected to make a mistake now and then because you're going to have to gamble sometimes. You know, you're going to have to take a chance on a guy, you know, it's just, or guys. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, no draft has ever been completely perfect, I don't think. Um, not for the Falcons, anyway. Definitely not for the Falcons. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's been some drafts for teams somewhere along the way where every pick worked out, but uh, they didn't all become superstars. Uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> I just want the I want the Falcons to improve the lines, mm-hmm. the lines of scrimmage, both sides. Um, and I think, yeah, getting those first two picks, I like. Yeah, it definitely addresses the the the, the two biggest needs, I think, and that's. Offensive and defensive line. So we'll see. Um, uh, looking forward to it. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, David Hill of ESPN.com will join us. And we'll talk some college football with him. That and more as we continue right after this. Welcome back into the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Steve Norris with you. Time to talk a little college football and maybe some other stuff with David Hill from ESPN.com. Good afternoon, sir. Hope you're doing well. I am well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me as always. Hey, I, this is not a football question, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on Jim Beheim's final game at Syracuse. <laughs> oh, my pal Jim Beheim. Uh, it's the only way it could have ever happened. Like, this is exactly how it was supposed to go. Uh, it could never have ended well. It was always going to be messy. It was always going to be ugly. It was always going to be, essentially, I compared it on Twitter to the last episode of Sopranos. It's just, you know, fate, it switched, cut the black all of a sudden. No fanfare. <laughs> it's the only way it was going to happen. Uh, did it happen in Greensboro, his least favorite town of all time, is only more fitting. Um, look, it probably should have happened three or four years ago. I think there were many times when Jim Beheim could have gone out, if not on top, certainly uh, higher up the mountain than he is currently. But Beheim has never given a damn what anybody else thinks, ever. So I don't think this is, was ever going to be any different. It, it's the only way it was going to happen. And, David, didn't you go to Syracuse? I did. Uh, so you uh, have firsthand and, knowledge. Yeah, and look, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, part of the unfortunate part of this is that 
the last few months have really not been kind to Jim Beheim, and that's his own doing, as usual. Uh, and so the conversation is not celebrating someone who spent 47 years at Syracuse, not somebody who is as identified with a program in college sports as anyone, uh, not someone who's won a national championship and gone to numerous Final Fours. It's this sort of weird gray area of like, yeah, he meant so much to the program, and also he was kind of a jerk. Like, <laughs> but that's, again, that is Jim Beheim. Like, you're getting the real Jim Beheim right now. So I don't think he minds it at all. I'm guessing this is not exactly how he would have drawn it up just in terms of the wins and losses and, uh, you know, how much pressure there might have been on him to step aside now. I had always said I thought they would prop his corpse up on the sideline and have him still coaching long after he was dead. Uh, Weekend at Bayheim. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I just it was just so weird. And, and I don't – I mean, they say retired. Did the, was the school seem like they were ready to move on from him too? Was it kind of a mutual yeah. thing? I mean, who knows? I think more will come out. I'm sure in terms of what happened behind the scenes. Again, I think I remember talking to Bayheim in 2020 amidst the sort of height of the COVID shutdown and everybody's locked up and not doing anything. And uh, I was doing a story on the risks for people. Uh, who have underlying health conditions and coming back and being around people and being exposed to COVID. And of course, uh, Jim Beheim had cancer, dealt with cancer. He was very involved with coaches against cancer. Um, so I called him and asked him about this. And he said, David, I have been shut inside watching Netflix for a month. There is nothing left for me to watch. I would rather die coaching basketball than live for another 20 years watching this crap. <laughs> and that is Jim Beheim, man. I don't think he wanted to do anything else, but I think it, the writing was just on the wall. The recruiting has plummeted. The, uh, I mean, the last two seasons have really been two of his worst. And then, of course, you add all of the off-court headlines that he's managed to, to draw. And, and look, I, I will give him credit that I think he went with the flow way more than his public comments often suggested but at the same time i mean the, the story that he or the interview that he gave with pete thamel where he essentially blasted everyone on earth for dealing with nil and transfer portal and buying teams and stuff like that i i think he i don't think he got well i will question how much enjoyment he ever got out of being <laughs> around anyone but i don't think he was getting as much enjoyment out of coaching basketball as he used to Good stuff. David Hell of ESPN.com is our guest here on the program. I know we've talked about uh, the, the conference realignment stuff a lot, David, but I, I just wanted to get your thoughts. John Skipper, the former president at ESPN, uh, came out and said, and he, correct me if I'm wrong now, he was an integral part of the, the ACC's current grant of rights, wasn't he? Correct, yes. So he was heading up ESPN at the time that this was signed, yeah. So he had a lot to do with launching of the ACC network. Uh, he obviously had a very good relationship with John Swafford, the former ACC commissioner, going back a long ways. So, yeah, he, he's had his hands in a lot of this. Well, he, he came out and, and said basically that he said, thinks the ACC should merge with the Pac-12 to solve uh, its revenue problem. I don't know how realistic that is, but do you think it's a good idea? So I don't think it's realistic for a number of reasons. The first being that um, – 
look at what the potential numbers that we're talking about TV-wise for the Pac-12 are. They're not what the ACC's numbers are right now. So a, a flat merger where you just put the two leagues together and make them one actually lowers the individual revenue for the current ACC teams. I don't think it fixes anything. What could potentially work, uh, and I think it would involve probably more just for, for geographic reasons uh, than just the ACC and the Pac-12, is to do sort of what happened in the early 90s when the Big 8 and the Southwest Conference essentially merged but, but actually created a new conference in the Big 12. Um, you would need to pair off some of the dead weight is basically what the conversation would need to be. And so you're not really talking about a merger. You're talking about starting something entirely new, which, again, unless you're going to bring with you the vast majority of the existing ACC, it doesn't get you out of the ground right. So I just don't see it. I've talked to numerous people, including Commissioner Phillips uh, in the ACC, about does it make sense to deal with the, the Pac-12 and figure out a way to, to bring in schools from the Pac-12. <clears throat> and, and they have consistently said, like, the numbers aren't there as we talk about in any fashion that we've talked about it right now. It doesn't make sense financially. Oh, I was just going to ask him, bigger jerk, uh, Jim <laughs> Beheim or Bobby Knight. <laughs> I asked you that yesterday, Russ. I never got a response. I didn't really know how to answer that. Well, it's 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 interesting, uh, David, uh, to see where this is going to go. I mean, obviously, they, they've got, what, what do you think, probably two or three years to get this figured out before they're in some real trouble financially compared to the other schools? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this today. I mean, you have other schools outside of the ACC who theoretically – want to be in a national championship hunt. And I don't know that they've got any better answers either, right? Like yeah. Oregon and Washington are maybe not national brands to the level that Florida State or Clemson is, but they are teams that have both made the playoff and recruit at a high level and would like to win a national championship. And these are teams that are going to be forced to do or to work under the same, in fact, worse circumstances than what the ACC teams have. So, you know, to me, I wonder how much it is just an ACC problem versus a college football problem. Like, I, I think in the, in the short term, yeah, it's clearly an ACC problem. It's clearly something that those ADs are, are thinking about and trying to figure out. And, yeah, I think that's an appropriate runway is three to five years, um, at least from the folks that I've talked to. But I think one of two things is true here, either – the financial disparity is being blown out of proportion and it won't actually be that big of a deal. And it'll be sort of like, you know, the Tampa Rays and the New York Yankees playing in the same division. They're not spending the same amount of money, but that doesn't prevent one from competing with the other. Uh, or it's a national problem for college football. And it isn't going to be something that the ACC fixes. It's something that college mm. football has to fix. Uh, and I don't know that, that we've thought about it enough in terms of like, what does this say nationally? Because it is the ACC that has been rattling sabers lately. But I think there's huge problems when two conferences are paying out so much more than everybody else. And again, like you can argue all you want about whether Boston College and Florida State should get the same share of the ACC's revenue. The problem is that Vanderbilt is getting more than Clemson does <laughs> right. by, by a factor, by you know, essentially double what Clemson does. Right, exactly. It's 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 complicated for sure, and and I don't know that we'll ever 
get to, to to an answer anytime soon. Hey, David, we always appreciate the time, man. Take care. Thanks, David. No problem. My pleasure, guys. That's David Hill with ESPN.com. That's and that's an interesting angle of a you know because we've always looked at this from the perspective that it's an ACC problem, but it really could turn into a college football problem. This could be a giant mess because yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, you, because if all the money goes into two conferences and then and then in in turn the majority of the talent flows into those two conferences, but you know the top four seeds could come from four different conferences. <laughs> That, that it's gonna get wacky. Um, <laughs> I, it's just, but I I think they will come to a solution. And as, as David has pointed this out in the past as well, the the ESPN has a vested interest in the ACC network, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to hold the ACC to a contract that holds the ACC back because it's also going to hold you back. Right. So yeah, I, it might be an ESPN problem. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't I don't know what the answer is, but. You know, I, I'm sure smarter people than me are trying to figure it out. That's for sure. We'll take a break. Four seven eight six four six ESPN is the number. Wrapping it up on this Thursday, right after this. Twelve forty six. Russ and Steve back with you here. You'll be back with us tomorrow, right? Indeed, I will. All right. Looking forward to it. As uh, heading into the weekend, and and Stephen from Hawkinsville called in earlier. Thought it was WrestleMania weekend. I wish. Can't wait. <laughs> Every weekend. <is> oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's gotten bad. I, 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 it, it's 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 gotten bad. My wrestling habit is is out of control right now. I need to dial it back. But that'll happen when the Braves roll around. Like usually, it, with WrestleMania being in April, like it's always in early April. And then, all right, that was fun. We'll see you at SummerSlam. And because it's Braves, it's Braves time. It's baseball. I'm ready oh, April, for baseball. April's just great in general. I mean, because oh. the Braves, you got the Masters. The draft, NFL mm-hmm. draft. Yep. It's just loaded with stuff. Final four. Final four. There you go. Final four. Yeah, man. April's great. Yeah, I've been I've been watching a lot more college basketball this week and going back into last weekend with these conference tournaments. This is usually when um this is usually when I um kind of start to get into it. I have no idea. Like I you know, one year I didn't fill out a bracket and the tournament just seemed a little bit more enjoyable. Now I'm not saying I will or won't this year because probably what's going to happen is somebody you know a buddy or or something will start a group and and I'll join in just for the heck of it. But I was sure about three weeks ago that um, I was going to when I when it came time to fill out the bracket, um, I, Tennessee was going to be a Final Four team for me. There was no doubt in my mind. And, and and full disclosure, as you guys know, I don't follow college basketball very closely. So then when we get to the SEC tournament, you can imagine my surprise when I realized that Tennessee goes in as the fifth seed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, maybe not a Final Four team. They kind of falter down the stretch. I think, and and, and our buddy Tate uh, can can let me know, I think there was a key injury on, on the team, which, is, which kind of slowed what year them was down. That? This year. Oh, okay. This year's team. Because they were beating people. I mean, they were holding people consistently to under 60 and, and a few times under 50. I mean, really clamping down on defense, kind of like what we saw with Virginia a couple years ago. Tennessee's just one of those teams you cannot count on in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. No matter how good they are, they figure out a way to blow it. That's why I got so mad when they beat Mercer that year in the second round. 
uh, after Mercer had beaten Duke. 2014, I think that was. Has it been that long ago? Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah because Duke won the national championship the next year. That's I, I remember right. that happening. But but anyway, yeah. And Mercer had a team good enough to beat Tennessee. And I was like, at Tennessee, yeah. You, you usually blow it in the second round. You're not supposed to beat Mercer and ruin the ruin the Cinderella story. But, oh, well, what do you do? Um, but we do have games today. Oh, yeah. Plenty, uh, uh, Georgia and Georgia Tech are out of the mix, but plenty of games today. I, Mississippi State's getting ready to hit the floor uh, right now at the SEC tournament. I think the ACC tournament started at uh, – got going again at 1230. But, uh, yeah, just college basketball. It's You know, it's just nice in, in the middle of the day. You know, I'm going to go home, make a sandwich, grab a bag of chips. Yeah, in fact – Just uh, watch some basketball until the time to, you know, fire it back up at 3 o'clock. Yeah, right. Ole Miss and Tennessee at 3, and then Arkansas – Oh, that's Auburn. at 3? Yeah, oh, 3 okay. o'clock was, on the SEC Network. Okay, I, th- I thought they were the 12 game. I'm sorry. Arkansas and Auburn at 7, and then LSU and Vanderbilt in the 9 o'clock game if you're into pain. Yeah, I won't be staying uh, up for that one. No. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we've got uh, Duke and Pittsburgh at 2.30 – on ESPN two, and then North Carolina and Virginia at seven, and then NC State versus Daniel Shirley at nine thirty p.m. So what we all need to collectively do, and we we touched on this yesterday. So as we've stated, Daniel's at a wedding. Um, the ceremony is Saturday night. Clemson has never won the ACC basketball <laughs> tournament, so they're going to win it when he can't watch it. I have to pull for him now. I mean, <laughs> even as an old Duke guy, I've got to pull for Clemson to win it now. How did you become a we, – we never really addressed the elephant in the room here. How, how – Duke, really? Yeah, okay. So, uh, um, well, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll try and make this short. So, look, in the 80s, I loved college basketball, okay? Um, and, yes, born and raised a Georgia fan, but I also liked Georgia Tech basketball in the 80s. You know, I kind of a pull for Tech when they're not playing Georgia kind of thing. And, um, in fact, you know, I told you, I went to Georgia Tech for one year. I, uh, my parents thought I should be an engineer, and I found out real quick that I shouldn't. Uh, but, anyway, I was there from 88 to 89, and um, we played Duke at home that year. I went to the game. Uh, uh, Leitner was a freshman. Ferry was a senior. We beat Duke. We beat North Carolina, too. We had Tom Hammonds, and uh, Brian Oliver was on that team. A, a really good team, but not great. Anyway... Again, loved college basketball, and uh, this was the this was the '89 tournament, mm-hmm. and uh, I always kind of liked Duke. You know, I, th- I liked what they were. I, you know, I'd seen them lose to Louisville in the national championship, and they'd been to the uh, you know a couple Final Fours, and so Tech lost in the first round to Texas, and I think Georgia lost in the first round too. So I was kind of mad. I was like, man, I. I loved the tournament. I loved basketball, but I didn't have a team to pull for. And so in the Elite Eight, I hated Georgetown. I mean, I hated Georgetown back in those days. Uh, I liked St. John's, Mm -hmm. right? And so I hated Georgetown. And Alonzo Mourning was a freshman. And all you ever heard on ESPN was how great Alonzo Mourning was, how great he was. And they went out and Duke beat them. And Leitner scored 24 points, had like 10 rebounds while guarding Mourning and holding him to like 11 points. And I just... It was one of those I just kind of fell in love. Yeah, you know, I can see that. And um, Duke went to the Final Four. They were up like twenty six to eight on Seton Hall, and Robert Bricky, who was like one of their best players, broke his leg, and so they ended up losing to Seton Hall, who ended up losing to Michigan. But at that point, I kind of had become a Duke fan. And then the next year, I I really liked Bobby Hurley. I, again, I know a lot of people hated him. He's still the all time assist leader, 
But um, they lost the national championship to, to UNLV. Got blown out by like 30 points. Um, but I was still a fan. And then, you know, the next year they upset UNLV. And that's when it, I really kind of – That's when it took that's off. That's when it really took off. Yeah. I just fell in love with that team that they beat Kansas for the national championship. And then, um, of course, the next year Leitner hits the shot, to you know, the last second to beat Kentucky. I mean, that, that game pulled more out of me than anything ever because <laughs> – I really thought Duke was going to pound Kentucky, but Kentucky was the SEC champions. Yeah, and uh, they were a tough team, and and um, you know they wouldn't give up. That, that, frankly, they really deserved to win the game, um, but uh, Duke won and won the national championship. So anyway, that's kind of how that happened. I just I wanted a team to pull for that I knew had a yeah. chance to win championships. Sure, I, I could totally understand. It's just you know I was watching games yesterday and um, just. It just I, what I don't know what happened to college basketball because I was like you I was a college basketball nut I mean I was you know twenty years ago I would watch five or six games a week and just everybody you the know one and done really killed but, it for me you don't have guys superstars staying four years yeah. and building great teams well and I I remember uh, yeah yeah I think it's it's that it's the one and done I don't know who these guys are and then the games I and granted look. You know, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Georgia LSU, probably not the best matchups to watch and judge the sport based off of. Mm -hmm. But one thing I noticed in both of those games yesterday, it just felt like there was a whistle every time down the floor. There was just a lot of stoppage and a lot of dead time, and the games didn't really have any flow. Yeah, and you know, I think it would help if Georgia Tech could get back to that really star-studded teams they used to have. I don't know that they can, Mm -hmm. um, but that helped. I mean, that helped a lot locally. You know, to have a team like that that could win the ACC championship every now and then, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, I don't know, I just don't have that feeling for that anymore. You know, one thing that Josh Pastner did touch on in in his um, post game uh, after the loss yesterday was, you know, they really haven't had a collective to work with the last couple of years, and that yeah, that's, that's changed that's, with yep. the new AD. So yep, maybe no excuses. Maybe that'll help. We're out of time. Thanks for listening as always. Appreciate David Hill for jumping in here with us too. For Steve, I'm Russ. We'll do it again tomorrow. Y'all have a good one.